It is. It is also a fantastic Sunday afternoon, just after one o'clock. Good to have you along. John Scholes here hosting the show. As always, the brains of the operation, Lior Sanfiru, Sanfiru to Markin. LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Now is the time to reach out. How about that? We got open phone lines today. We got producers manning the phones, ready to take your calls if you're having issues at work or just something you want to know about employment law. Maybe it's something about a layoff or you've been offered a severance package or you think something's coming down the pipe. Might be uh, your last few days at work and you're kind of uh, in the dark as to what to do. That is the function of this show. So reach out. You got all kinds of time. We're just getting warmed up. 416-872-1010 to call into the station. 416-872-1010. We can also take, uh, take a couple texts if that's easier for you. That is simply 71010. And we always ask you and uh, say you can reach out anytime beyond this hour to uh, Lior and the team. Email's good, right? And that would be answers at employmentlawyer.ca, answers at employmentlawyer.ca, and the phone call anytime. 1 855 821 5900 to reach Lior and his crew outside this hour. You're always encouraged to, uh, to make that phone call. Coming up in just a bit, all about severance package deadlines. Always important stuff during this hour. So listen up and call in if you want. Uh, we always get to the week that was, the case of the day, or a couple things going on with you, Lior. What, uh, what do you got, pal? Hey, John. Awesome, awesome to be here. Yep. Beautiful day and great time to talk about employment law. Great time to understand our workplace rights as we may be heading back to work tomorrow for those of us who are off on the weekend. And you want to understand what to do if uh, you were left with an ultimatum, maybe coming back uh, from the weekend, or maybe something wasn't right, but you're not sure. You want to say something to your boss. Should you say something to your boss? Can you get into trouble? Well, if you want to know what your rights are, what your boss can or cannot do, great time, great place to start is right here on the show, live, call us so that I can tell you what you need to know so you don't wonder, so you don't take a risk, you're not going flying out there blind without any guidance, we'll give you all the information that you need, and of course, we'll also give you something else, we'll give you my contact information at the office, if you want to reach out to me, email or phone so we can have a private discussion about your matter and get to work on resolving it. But week there was, I always like to start off with a couple of situations that came across my desk over the past week. Uh, first matter I'll tell you about, I spoke with a gentleman that uh, a couple of weeks ago had an injury uh, at the workplace. Uh, he did have to go to, to the hospital to get some treatment. Luckily, it wasn't anything major. The, the prognosis was pretty good that, you know, in a couple of weeks, uh, he should be back to normal. But for a couple of weeks, he certainly was going to be limited. Well, as soon as uh, his employer heard about it, I said, well, you know, we're going to help you out. We're going to accommodate you. We're going to make sure you're taken care of. But we need you not to tell WSIB. Let's deal with it in-house within the family. Just don't tell WSIB. And it didn't seem right to him. So he did the right thing. He called me. He really wanted to know, can I get in trouble, number one, if I tell WSIB? And, and can I get in trouble with my employer? Or number two, if I don't tell WSIB, can I get in trouble with them? So he wanted to understand uh, his rights in that situation. So let's be very clear. You have to, by law, in fact, your employer has to, by law, report a workplace injury. Doesn't have to be a major injury. Doesn't have to be something that's going to take you out of work for a long time. If it happened in the workplace, if it's something that's going to impact you in any way, shape, or form, it must be reported to WSIB. Now, oftentimes an employer may not want you to do that because there's a concern that it's going to impact the employer's premiums. An employer pays WSIB premiums, and the concern is, well, it may impact their premium, increase them, and we don't want you to do that. Yeah. Doesn't matter illegal for you, illegal for the employer. And here's the thing. 
let's say the condition becomes worse and you need to be off work and you need to get paid. Well, WSIB is going to say, well, you never told us about this injury three months ago, so now we're not going to pay you. So very, very bad idea. And the other thing, though, is this. Your employer cannot ever, ever, ever punish you for for applying for WSIB, for telling WSIB about it, for filing a claim with WSIB. Can't do it. Illegal. One of the biggest no-nos in employment law. So I told this person that, and he's he's dealing with his employer, and he knows that if his employer does anything, I will help him. But an important reminder there, when it comes to a workplace injury, you definitely, definitely cannot be punished. Tell WSIB, uh, uh, advise them, apply for whatever benefits you're entitled to, uh, but do not avoid that just because your employer tells you to do it. And a reminder, guys, we are live here today. So phone calls, uh, bring them on in between the chat. Sure, get on air, be that third third voice, right? 416-872-1010 is how you call into the show and uh, and talk to us. What's the second matter you want to talk about, Bill? So I spoke with a, another gentleman, uh, and so he's been working with the same employer since 2019. So that's, what, four years now, right? Mm-hmm. And his employer comes to him and says, well, you know what? We just realized kind of we're cleaning house a bit. And we realized that back when you started, we never actually got you to sign an employment agreement. Don't worry about it, though. No big deal. We're gonna here's an employment agreement for you to sign it. Just do us a favor, sign it, give it to us, so we have it on file. So smart guy, very very smart guy, calls me and he sends me a copy of that employment agreement. And our regular listeners should already be very concerned about this situation. I've talked about this before on the show that anytime your employer comes out of the blue and wants you to sign a new employment agreement, it's bad news. It's really bad news. Well, for this guy, it wasn't really bad news. It was really, really bad news. (laughs) So I reviewed the agreement. So let's talk about some of the things that employment agreement did. Number one, it allowed the company to change his job, change his job duties, his hours, and his compensation. Number two, it allowed his employer to put him on a temporary layoff. Number three, it allowed his employer to limit his future severance. Keep in mind, all those things are things an employer is not allowed to do unless you sign an employment agreement that gives them that right. The uh, the other thing the employment agreement did is it imposed a non-compete on him in the future. Terrible agreement. So he had the full protection of the law because he did not sign an employment agreement. And what this employment agreement did is it took away virtually all the rights that he would have had. I told them that. I said, no way should you ever sign this. He told them that. And the reality is they're going to have to back off. There's nothing that they can do. But this was a terrible employment agreement, but it's not uncommon. If you are in a situation, you've already been working with the company, and either you don't have an employment agreement or you have one you started that you signed a a few years ago when you started there. Your employer comes to you and says, I need you to sign a new agreement. Bad news. Always bad news. It's never a good thing. Uh, There could be terms there that significantly limit your entitlements, take away rights. So do the smart thing. Let me see what it says before you sign that piece of paper. Don't sign it and then realize later that you signed away your rights. Uh, For this person, it was a terrible agreement. At some point, this agreement would have cost him tens of thousands of dollars and caused him all kinds of other headaches as well. At least now he knows. When's uh, you know, in, in your experience, Leo, when's the most common time that happens with an employer when the you know ownership changes hands or stuff like that? They want to get everybody on the same page. Ownership changes hands, or an employer uh, speaks to a lawyer and. The lawyer uh, realized, wait a second, are you telling me that you didn't have people sign agreements? Well, let's get that fixed right away. And, you know, for many people, they 
believe kind of their employer. They'll look at that piece of paper. Okay, well, they're it's the same salary I've always had. It's the same duties I've always had. So it's the same job title. So what's the mm-hmm. problem? Let's just sign this. And in fact, it could actually be better to have it in writing. Wrong, false, not good. Uh, and, and it happens often. And employers are starting to understand that it's in their interest to have that employment agreement. So it's more common now to see employers saying, hey, sign this new agreement. Let's forget about your old one or let's get this new one signed. Very, very bad news. Again, guys, the uh, the number 416-872-1010 to join the show. We got lots of time, lots of open lines. We'd love to get you on air asking your questions because uh, actually your questions are every week really, really good. And it's things that thousands of other people catching the show are wondering as well. And so you're doing everybody a service for sure. 416-872-1010. Okay, here we go. All about severance package deadlines. Every every package has ones near the bottom somewhere. How mm-hmm. is a typical severance offer structuredly or in your experience? So, yeah, we want to talk about severance deadlines and what they mean and what they don't mean, what you can do and should you be concerned about it. So this is extremely important, whether you've ever lost your job or if it's ever going to happen to you, you need to know this. And a, a standard kind of normal severance package is really looks like this. It's going to have, uh, uh, you know, we're letting you go. It's going to then outline what the employer is willing to pay you. Uh, it's going to outline whether it's, a few weeks and what's going to happen with your benefits and what's going to happen with your other entitlements. And then it's going to tell you by when you have to sign. It's going to give you that deadline. And so it's going to have those three parts. Number one is we're letting you go. Maybe it says why, why, maybe it doesn't. Number two, here's what we're willing to offer you. Number three is here's what you need to do. And it may even go as far as saying that, hey, if you don't sign this, then here's the lesser, the smaller amount that we're going to pay you. So very important to understand that and remember it, that that's how a package looks like. So don't be don't be sh- uh, shocked when you see it. It's, you're going to have those three elements in there. Uh, and that deadline, of course, is what we want to focus on. And I bet you that that deadline right there causes panic in most people, especially if it's only a couple of days away that they have to have it back, right? Well, that deadline causes panic, but it's intended to cause uh-huh. panic. It's there for the purpose of causing panic panic. It's there to tell you that or or to suggest to you that you may lose something if you don't, to to give you that sense of urgency, to give you that that sense of desperation even. Oh oh my God, I better sign this by the Friday deadline or else I I lose something. I don't get something. I I get paid less and I can't afford to get paid less. Think about it. When you lose your job, you're under stress, of course. You've been offered something. You're worried about paying your bills. And here comes your employer and supposedly offers you something, but you got to accept by the deadline, except you don't. And that's what we're also going to focus on. That deadline ultimately, and you know this, John, is meaningless. It's a pressure tactic. It's there to make you feel like you have to do it or else, except it doesn't work that way. Your legal rights don't expire on that deadline. So stay tuned. We'll talk about that even more. You bet. We're just getting started and warmed up. Now is the time for you to grab that phone, call us, talk to us, ask your questions. It's free. Let's uh, let's do it. 416-872-1010 to call into the show. If you want to text us, you can go to 71010 as well. And it's always answers at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address we use during the show and beyond as well. Taking a short break, right back with more of the Employment Law Show. Stand by. All right. Welcome back to it. It is 120 on a lovely Sunday afternoon. Plenty of time to talk to you. 
416-872-1010. You want to call the show, of course, to text is 71010 with your questions. And we'll try to get to some emails a little later on in the show. That is help, uh, pardon me, answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Get back to our topic here in just a bit. And we're talking about uh, severance package deadlines. First, though, phone calls, getting you on air, always top priority. Leanne, how are you today? Good. Thank you for asking. How are you? You bet. Love it. And uh, thank you for taking the time. What's your concern? Uh, my father was recently uh, fired from his job, and instead of uh, receiving a severance package, he was told that they would permanently lay him off so that he could get unemployment. Hmm. Okay, well, but you you understand, of course, that one has nothing to do with the other because your father is entitled to unemployment. He's also entitled to a severance package. So let's kind of break this down. I'm, I'm assuming your father is not part of a union? He is part of a union, yes. He is. Okay. Yeah. Well, then that's a different situation. His entitlements could be completely different. And he may actually, if after after 14 years, they may not even have a right to lay him off. He may just have a right to his job back, but he needs to speak to his union. Uh, unionized employees don't really get severance in the same way as, unionized, as non-union employees, but he may have a right to his job back with back pay. Uh, so he has to talk to his union. The, the union is his only and exclusive representative so that's the call he has to make, and, and, and he, should, yeah, he should make it as soon as possible. Okay, he did. He was in contact with his union. The union did show up to his, his house a few hours after he got home from being fired that day and had him sign a piece of paper saying that he, he wouldn't go after them for seven, um, uh, get unemployment. So the union okay, well, at the end of the day, I mean... It's really the union that, that can only do anything. So beyond what the union is or not or isn't doing, there's really nothing else that can be do, that can be done. And really anything that we kind of discuss on the show in terms of severance or other workplace rights only applies to non-union employees, does not apply to unionized employees. Yeah, I appreciate the time, though. Thanks uh, so much for, for making the time. And you can call in as well. we got lots, 416 872 1010 to join the show. Uh, join the show. So, uh, the text number, rather, is 71010. Let's get to one. Uh, Leora says, hey, guys, my brother was let go. He's 51-year-old director at IT company, 23 years, making 150 k plus bonuses. Uh, they offer three weeks per year. Isn't he entitled to 24 months and still maintains benefits, too? Also, can he get severance half now, half in 2024 for tax reasons? Obviously, that comes from our good pal, John. What do you say, Leora? Yeah, so someone, you know, after 23 years, you know, obviously in a in a senior well-paying position, $150,000 plus in his 50s is going to be right around that 22 to 24 month range. So he's definitely shy, you know, a good 6 months from what he is owed. And yes, he's entitled to have his bonuses, benefits, uh all components of his compensation included. It's not just salary. Uh you know, if you have a bonus, you know, he, he seems to have a bonus that's 30, 40,000 a year. Well, over a two-year period, that's you know sixty to eighty thousand. That's a lot of money. That's just the bonus. Yeah. So obviously he's owed a significant amount. So definitely he needs to give me a call. The good news is matters like that are straightforward. It's going to resolve quickly with a letter from me. Uh, there's a lot of money at stake here, and this is very common, by the way, John. Just this this situation that you just read, mm-hmm. where someone's been let go. They may have been offered a lot of money, but that doesn't mean that that's all they're owed. The law is generous when it comes to severance, and over 90% of the time, 90%, whatever you've been offered, is a lot less than what you, you're actually owed, exactly like with this person. 
John, appreciate the text, pal. I'm going to give you that number to reach out to Lior, and you should uh, as soon as you can at your earliest convenience, right? one 821 5900 Again, 1-855-821-5900. Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Simple email address, answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, more phone calls. Keep them coming. 416-872-1010 or 71010 for the uh, text. We were talking about all about severance package deadlines, and hopefully it doesn't enter your life sometime during your working career. But if it does, these are key things to know about it. Um, Lior, someone's been let go. Uh, should they be concerned about the deadline and the severance offer? I mean, we just talked about how much panic it creates, but can you just blow it off? So here's the thing. So usually a severance deadline, you know, people would say you have till Friday uh, to, you know, end the day five o'clock on Friday to sign. Well, I get a lot of panic calls Friday morning. They're saying, Lior, can we talk immediately? Can we talk right now? My deadline is expiring later today. I need to get back to them. So please, please, let's talk. Well, what I say to those people that call me is exactly what I'm going to say right now on the air, and that is don't worry about it. That deadline is irrelevant. It doesn't expire today or your rights don't expire today. Your rights don't expire for two whole years, okay? That deadline is a pressure tactic designed to make you think you're going to lose something. You're going to walk away from something if you don't sign it. So I'm going to give you an example, my favorite example for you to understand how ridiculous that is. So if I owe John Scholes $100 uh, and I go to John and I say, hey, John, I have a deal for you. I'm going to pay you 30 bucks. Forget about 100. I'm going to pay you 30. But to get that 30, you better sign this piece of paper by Friday or you're not going to get anything. Well, John is going to look at me very confused because he's mm-hmm. going to say, well, why would I sign something for 30 when you owe me 100? Yeah. How about you pay me 100? I don't even have to sign anything because you owe me 100 bucks. Well, that's exactly what happens with the severance packages. Your employer is offering you less than what they legally owe you. And they're telling you to accept this bad offer. You have to sign by Friday. Well, no, no, you don't. Your legal rights don't expire and you're owed much more. So it's because of that, that that deadline is not something you need to stress over. You're not going to lose anything. The law is going to say, well, if you're owed, you're going to get paid, whether it's Friday or Tuesday or next May, you're going to get paid. So don't worry about that deadline. I want to get to Donald here on the line. Hey, Donald, thanks for taking the time, pal. How are you this afternoon? Hey, Don. Still there? Hey, how are you there? Good, sir. What's going on? What's your question? Good. My question is, uh, I was in a meeting this week with my employer. I'm on modified duties. And uh, they're telling me that the insurance company, uh, I'm just past 65, but the insurance company uh, will not recognize me as a full-time employee. So I'm not allowed to uh, be on modified duties. Sorry, well, wait a second. So the insurance company says that you can't be on modified duties. I'm not sure what does the insurance have to do with the duties of your job. Well, uh, I tried to ask the employer that, and they gave me some word that I didn't understand at the time. <clears throat> and uh, what they were saying was that the insurance company is saying just that, if I don't work 40 hours, 80 hours in a two-week period, they will not cover my modified duties. Okay, and no, I think what you're saying is that that the insurance company says that they won't provide you coverage, benefit coverage. Yeah, or that, or, and they're also saying that I must go back to work 80 hours a week. 
So okay, so and so let's let's kind of break this down from a legal standpoint. Pardon? You, you you so let's break this down. Your employer has to accommodate you as long as you has a doctor a doctor's note, whether it's to work five hours a week or modify duties or work from home. They have to find a way to make it happen as long as you have a doctor's note that says that. Now, okay. your insurance company may say, in order to qualify for benefits, you need to work X amount of hours, and that's okay. They're allowed to do that. But you're still going to be accommodated. You still work whatever hours your doctor says. You may just not have benefit coverage if you don't work a certain number of hours. But those are very separate things. One is the duties that you do and how many hours. The other one is whether you actually have, you know, dental and, and massage benefits and all those. Very, very separate things. If your employer won't accommodate you for whatever, for whatever reason, if they use the insurance company as an excuse, any reason, it's illegal. Okay, you got to give me a call and see how fast that changes. Uh, but whatever the insurance is, has absolutely nothing to do with your modified duties. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate letting you go. Would it have anything to do with the fact that he slipped in there? He was 65. I mean, it might, if it comes to long term disability, he might be over the threshold being 65. But the benefits shouldn't, like you said, that's kind of a weird. Weird answer for the there, there are benefits plan. I'm talking, you know, your your massage and chiropractor yeah. and, and prescription that stop coverage at 65. And mm -hmm. they're actually allowed to do that. The right. insurance company is allowed to stop that coverage. But that has absolutely nothing to do with how long you can work. You can work till 95 and whether or not your employer has to provide you modified duties. Those are very separate things. Gene, we see you there. Stand by. We're going to get to your phone call right after the break. So hang on. 416-872-1010 is how you call in as well. Text 71010 and the email address answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And we'll continue with lots more of the Employment Law Show. Hang on, it's coming right up. Good to have you with us this afternoon. Loving the show. Always do. It's 135 on a Sunday afternoon. This one's a stellar day. So you got some time. Pick up a phone. Talk to us with questions. 416-872-1010, the phone number. You can also text on your phone, 71010. We'll try to get some of those questions. And an email before, after, during the show. Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. I want to get to a Gene who's been, uh, been patiently hanging on. How are you, Gene, today? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking part of the show. What's your question? Um, a member of a volunteer board for a church, for a church, we have employees. We've recently needed to change some locks within the building to increase the security of the building. And in the process of doing that, we've added a lock to one particular area, a boiler room, where our custodian used to have access to it. Uh, it's not in his job description that he has any functions in that particular room at all. That is not anything that he's been trained to, man like formally trained. He's not a boiler maker or any of those kinds of things. But now that we have, um, for lack of better words, locked him out of that room, there's only uh, certain people that can enter it, it licensed contractors, et cetera. With, have we, are we creating a situation of uh, constructive dismissal? So it would only be a constructive dismissal, Gene, if it's uh, if it makes it his work life that much more difficult. So, for example, if he used to be able to go in there and get something done, and now he has to do it a different way, now he's going to have to spend an extra hour every day doing it. If it's something like that, then yeah, it could be because it changes the terms of his employment. But if it doesn't really have an impact on him in that way, then no, you're, you're doing. You're doing something that's fine. So really okay. the question always that you have to ask yourself is, how does it impact him? Does it have a negative impact? And if it does, to what extent? How much 
how much does this change his day? If it's a significant change, then yeah, any, any significant change could give rise to a constructive dismissal. Okay, so it is, it is a change because other volunteers who help at the church, I believe over the course of time, they said, okay, Billy Bob, you can go in and do this <laughs> job, even though it's not in his job description. He has never formally been told to do that by the church board. It's just been a choice of, over time, this has been an assumed responsibility, but there's no formal contract that would say he has any duty to go in there. He doesn't have the authority to hire or secure um, the work of a licensed contractor. That would be somebody higher up the food chain, so to speak, on the church board. Um, But when the new keys were assigned to employees and to certain volunteers that come in and out of the building to do functions at the church, this individual said, well, where's my key? How am I going to get into this particular room, the boiler room? And he was told, well, you don't have a function in the boiler room, so you'll need to speak to Mr. So-and-so if that's the case that you need to do that. But there's no daily or weekly documented responsibility to have ever been going into that room. It's been an assumption, a poor, a very poor assumption on the part of the church to just kind of say, well, you can do that. Well, to, to me, this is very easy then because... Uh, all he has to do is if someone asks him to do something in the boiler room, say, sorry, can't help you. So if anything, it actually makes his life easier. That takes away some of some responsibilities that traditionally he has been doing. It's not if he was still expected to do work there without access, we'd have to find a work around around it and, and spend a lot more time. That could be a problem. But if now you're saying, hey, anytime someone tells you to do something in the boiler room, just say, thanks, I can't help you. Then there's no issue there. In fact, you've given him a, a good thing here, so I, there's nothing there that concerns me. That's wonderful. It's, it's church polity, though. If you worked with volunteers, you may you may in your other life, but yeah, there's, sometimes there's a sense of ownership that I need to do this because this is what I do. But okay, so we've we've dotted our eyes and crossed our t's. All you need to do is pull out his employment. Um, contract and say, but you've never really had a responsibility in this room, so we relieved you. Of- no, but 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 even if he had a responsibility in that room, to the extent that you're, you're making his life easier by saying, hey, we're going to make it easier, we're going to take away one of those responsibilities, no pay cut, everything is the same, that's a good thing, it's not a bad thing, it's when you add a lot of responsibilities and you're not paying someone more, that's when we can get into trouble, so you're, okay. you're fine here. Okay, that's great. I just, you know what, sometimes when you do things and then you think, Hold the phone. Have we just created a bad scene? But that's uh-huh. great. Thank you for your help. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. Appreciate that. Anything uh, moving forward, of course, you can always call the Orna's team outside the hour of the show, one 821 5900 but here and now as i mentioned just like gene 416-872-1010 to call in to text the show 71010 got a quick one here leo says good afternoon fellas uh right in my office early last week and the landlord had served notice of termination of lease due to arrears in the rent the doors had the locks have been changed we've been instructed to work from home using our personal devices as of today we did not know if and when we are returning to the office we are in limbo and would appreciate legal advice on how to move forward i've been with the company for over 10 years as a supervisor how about that situation so this is actually not that uncommon mm-hmm. or legally complicated so if for whatever reason your employer says well now 
because of this lease situation, we need you to work exclusively from home. And and you weren't working from home. Before that, you're working in the office. You absolutely can treat this as a constructive dismissal. Being told that you have to work from home and you, you didn't work from home is not something an employer can impose, regardless of why they're doing that. So what this person can do is they can accept it and see what happens, or they can say, no, I'm now treating this as a constructive dismissal, as a termination, and you owe me severance. And after 10 years, we could easily be looking at 12 months severance here. Absolutely. Maybe even more than that. Now, the key here is that time is not on, on your side. So if you say, well, let me do this for a couple of months and then you see what happens. By then, it's too late. You've accepted this. So you kind of have to make the call right now or at least, you know, two weeks, no more than that. I tell your employer that I'm going to I'm going to do this for two weeks. But after that, I expect to be back uh, in an office somewhere. Uh, and after those two weeks, if you're not back in the office, you can have that option to treat this as a constructive dismissal. Uh, so those are the options. If you want to go that route, the constructive dismissal route, give me a call right away. It's an interesting situation. I mean, what if you treat this like a little mini COVID? So they do agree to work from home for you know two, three, four, five, six months until they find a new place to, to open up. But the employee says, you know what? I kind of like this. I want to stay at home. Do they have any right to do that? Well, if the employer kind of made it clear that this is just a, a temporary situation, then then yes, they can. On the other hand, if this person was led to believe that that's the new normal, then the employer can't change it back to the way things were. Uh, so the key here is, is this a change or is it something you would have expected? An employer can't make a significant change. They can do something that you would have expected them to do. But again, keep it going from office to working from home, no, an employer can't impose that. You know, with COVID, a lot of employers didn't have a choice because by law, right. you know, you couldn't have people in the office, et cetera. And, and you know, with, with a worldwide pandemic, an employer would have gotten more leeway. But in a situation like this where, hey, and then the employer should have been more careful to pay their lease, they're not going to get any leeway. So if they tell their employees you have to work from home, well, no, they can't do that. That's a constructive dismissal. Uh, and you can treat it as such. And again, 10 years of employment, John, that's a long time. Easily a year severance right there. Yeah, it's interesting because people would say, who the hell would give up the opportunity to work from home if they could? You'd be shocked to your point, Lior. I have family members who, you know, they, they work from home as a result of the pandemic going forward, kind of a hybrid situation. They actually really miss being in the office and the camaraderie and being around people, going for coffee. They don't really like being from working from home. So to your point, yeah, if somebody doesn't like it, they can they can raise that constructive dismissal flag. It's a good call, right? And not everyone is set up to work from home. Not yeah. everyone has the space uh, and or the fast internet or whatever you need to work from home. And and you know they may have kids lying around and dogs and cats and so <laughs> it may not be set up for that. So it's absolutely fine to say that's not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. I didn't sign up for it to be in my living room all day long. Uh, you you've made me do that now, so I'm going to choose that to choose to look at that as a termination. An employer can't do that. Simply can't. One more short break, and we'll get back to more of your phone calls, open lines. Bring them on. you still got time. 416-872-1010. That text we just got was through 71010. And you can always email to answers at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue lots more. The Employment Law Show is on the way. Hang on. And welcome back. It is, uh, it's time to keep rolling. we got lots of time. It's 150, so you got some time to call in. That phone number, 416-872-1010 is how we do it. The text number is 71010 as well. Well, hello, Pat. Thank you so much for standing by. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. What's uh, what's your concern? 
Uh, I'm working in a call center in Newmarket, and they are moving to Barrie. I currently work from home, but they've just, after three years, decided they want us to come in one day a month. So I've started that, but I'm just concerned when they move to Barrie, will I be required to go into the office? So uh, I, I'm assuming that you drive. So when you now when you go into the office, you don't take public transportation, you drive? I drive, yeah. Okay. And it's literally so, five minutes from home. And, and you know, Newmarket to Barrie, would I be fair to say that's probably, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, something like that? Yeah, in the good weather. So, yeah, fair <laughs> yeah. enough. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. So yeah. here's kind of the threshold. If it was over an hour kind of each way, uh, then it would be something that they're not really able to impose. So So if you had said no, Really, they, they can't punish you. In this okay. case, given the fact that it's less than that, you know, I, I hear you on traffic. I get it completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably one of those things that they can get away with. Uh, you know, if you were living in Toronto, for example, and they said, well, from instead of Toronto, we're going to go to Barrie. Well, wait mm-hmm. a second. No way. That's way too okay. far. But Newmarket to Barrie, it's something they can get away with. So unfortunately, Pat, the, the answer is going to be, you know, talk to them. Maybe you can work out an arrangement that, Instead of once a month, it's every month and a half or two months. And, you know, a good employer is going to want to work with you and be understanding. But at the end of the day, if if they ask you to go in there that once a month, yeah, yeah, it's something they can do. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah, Unfortunately. It's not so much the distances. It's notoriously a horrible drive. Um, I hear you. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Really there, what happens if, what happens if Pat, it's, it's once a month? What happens if it goes to, well, you'd like once a month, now we're going to do it three times a month, or let's move it to four yeah, times a month. I, I don't what even want to go once a month. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, so what happens to Pat in that case? You know, I, I, I would, so if you decide to go ahead and do this, Pat, uh, then I would tell them that, you know, I have big concerns now with this commute, mm-hmm. so uh, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do any more of that. And if they decide at some point to say, well, now it's twice a month, that would yeah. be a constructive dismissal at that point. So if you're going yeah. ahead and do it, tell them in writing that you have concerns and you're not going to be okay if it's if it ends up being at some point more than once a month. Yeah. Okay. Quite honestly, I'm thinking of selling my car because I really don't need it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would if I had to drive to Barrie. It wouldn't be worth, right. you know, yeah. going by train so, or whatever. So. Something to think about there, Pat. We uh, we appreciate the calling again for more advice on moving forward. If things change, you can call the Ornos team one eight five five eight two one. 5,900, but here and now, 416-872-1010. Dennis, good afternoon. Yeah, How are you? How's it going? Good, brother. What's up? Uh, I just had a question. I had an argument with my wife that uh, if I get fired from my company, I've been there for 22 years, I'm 60 years old, that if they have to pay me a severance package... But then if I say I get a job, uh, like I find a job two months later, do they still have to pay that severance package? So here's how that works. If we reach an agreement on the severance with your employer uh, before you find another job, they pay it even if you find that job the next day. If while we're negotiating with them, you end up finding a job, that could reduce the amount of severance. It's not going to reduce it to zero, but it's going to reduce it depending on when you found a job and and the type of job that you have and the income, it will reduce it. But that's why it's so important when you lose your job to deal with the severance quickly. Because my goal is, let's say you lose your job on, on Monday, 
My goal is that within two weeks, this is resolved. We've agreed that they're going to pay you 22 months severance. And then if the next day you find another job, doesn't matter. That's great. So as long as you act quickly uh, to get the severance that you're owed, it's going to be just fine. And do I have to wait for the company to uh, give me a like some kind of a severance package? Okay, uh, this is what we're going to do, 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 and... Well, when if your company lets you go, they'll tell you what they're willing to do, and then okay. we deal with it and make sure that you get what you're owed. But obviously, you only get severance if the company lets you go. So if they let you go, they'll call you into a meeting. They say, we're letting you go. Here's what we're offering you. And then that's when I get involved. I review it. If what they've offered is fine, great. Chances are it's not fine. And then we negotiate proper severance. Dennis, appreciate the call, pal. Enjoy the rest of your day. In the meantime, if you got a phone call, you still got a couple minutes here, 416-872-1010. Beyond that, we've been talking about uh, the between the phone call severance package deadlines. How much time have you seen that employers generally give employees to sign back the severance offer? A couple of days, a week? What do you think? So generally kind of a week or five business days is, is the right. standard. You know, I've seen anywhere from 24 hours to two weeks. But the standard is kind of a week. So if you let go on a Friday, they'd ask for you to sign it by the following Friday, kind of have that that one week. But there's, as I said before, there's no magic to that. It doesn't mean anything. Whether they've given you a day or three months, ultimately, the law decides what you're owed. The law doesn't give your employer the opportunity to make that decision or to impose limits and deadlines on, on what they're owed. So that's why I don't really, it doesn't matter to me what your deadline is what mm. matters to me is that we get or you get what you're owed even if it means we're going way past that deadline so we know this i know this you know this a good listenership knows this because they listen to us every week and make phone calls so why do employers bother why bother it's a very effective pressure tactic it's extremely effective they do that because they they know that an employee is gonna feel that pressure they just lost their job they still have to pay their bills uh, they're they're very concerned about you know having uh, the income to do that, so they're gonna want to accept what the company offers them because they're gonna be concerned that if they don't accept that they won't get it. Mm-hmm. It's a very effective pressure tactic. I will say this, you know, from my twenty plus years of doing this, that if the employer has ten people offers all ten of them bad severance offers, but with a deadline, seven or eight of them are gonna accept this by the deadline. Yeah. Because of that pressure tactics, if you think about it, think how much money with those 10 employees, seven of or eight of which accepted, how much money that employer has saved. It could be tens of thousands of dollars per employee. So that's why they're doing that. And, you know, some employers, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there this way, don't do it because of that. They do it because they genuinely believe that they've made a good offer. Mm-hmm. So they want the person to sign it so they can be done with that issue. That doesn't matter at the end of the day what the employer believes. Even if the employer believes this, the offer is a good one. Again, that's not the issue. The issue is, is it really a good one? And only the law can make that determination. Now, most people know by now to call you if this comes down to get a severance offer with a deadline. Should should they be asking for more time if they haven't uh, received or at least called, uh, called you yet? Just say, look, well, I have more time for this. It, it never is a bad idea. It never costs any money to be polite and courteous, right? So I always believe that. So I would always... Say, hey, why not just send an employer an email email or a text message saying, employer, uh, I won't be able to get back to you by Friday. I'm reviewing it. I'll get back to you next week. Courteous. Don't have to do it. Nothing happens if you don't. But, you know, I mean, why not do it so that the employer doesn't 
sit there and, and follow up with you, etc. But if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Your legal rights don't expire on that Friday. You can absolutely ignore it if you choose to ignore it. But what you cannot do ever is accept that offer, sign off on it without getting advice. You'll find out when it's too late that you walked away from your rights. Another great show. Appreciate your phone calls, your texts, and your emails. Always keep sending them along. Now that we're done, uh, Lior's got a team that will get back to you for sure. And Lior himself, of course, 1-855-821-5900. It is answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website, use this one all the time before that phone call, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next weekend right here on the Employment Law Show.